Welcome back to the No Mulligans podcast. Scott and Jack here in the studio at Franklin Bridge. A lot of fall stuff happening. We've had a lot of lot of tournaments. Yep. We had club championship. We had junior club championship. First one. First one. We had sixty kids, dude. That's awesome. I'm going for like Country Club of Birmingham, like two seventy is what they do. Man, that's which so cool. has got to be a record. Like, so we had them from four to six year olds yeah. playing with the snag golf stuff all the way up to championship division. Man, that's awesome. I like. I was listening to a podcast recently, and there was another. Um, there was a, cl- a club that's. Um, doing a similar thing to us that's down in West Palm Beach. Mm. And I was just like, man, that, that place sounds like a great, great time. And I'm like, wait, I have one of those places. It's in my backyard no, in right my here. Backyard. So just, uh, yeah, for all you guys who are listening and who are members at Franklin Bridge, thanks for being part of such a awesome community. Um, speaking of, we're going to talk a little bit about some tournament-esque thought processes yeah. on this one. You what know, are we talking about? It's, uh, it's interesting, you know, our topics tend to flow with our instruction, yeah, uh, which is which is kind of fun, um, especially if you're a part of some of it. Mm-hmm. But um, we had something. We're back to another ladies' clinic thing. Um, we a bunch of beginning ladies, like not any good, just learning. Yeah, like you can just barely get them where they can get a decent chip. Yeah, once every five swings. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. And so we um, we spent the first. It's an hour-long class, first 30 minutes working on technique, and then we flipped to something we call an audible. I don't know why I did this, but I did. Um, And I said, you know what? We're going to do a contest. We're going to put you in pairs, and you're going to play two-ball, best ball. So not a scramble, but like you play two shots, you both play them all the way out and take the lowest score. And so we did that, and we had four groups. The improvement in the technique from we had just worked on hitting ball after ball after ball after ball after ball in there helping them helping them helping them then all of a sudden we put them in the contest on a longer shot mind you that's harder to do out of the rough different lives sure their technique improved exponentially wow and i'm like what is happening i've always i've always felt this to be somewhat true of like when the pressure's on, people actually stand up. We think about some of the older podcasts I did when we put people in the hot seat. We've talked about the hot seat a lot. Yeah. It's been a year since we've probably talked about it. But is like when I put people in the hot seat, that's when they change their golf swing. Mm. And I'll have people that struggle to change it, struggle to change it, struggle to change it. Put them in front of all seven of their peers. Oh, you're like, talking about like your clinics? My clinics. Yeah, right? yeah, put yeah. in front of seven people like you have to do it correctly. We're going to do it correctly in front of everybody. Yeah. And within five swings, they do it correctly, and I make them do it again. They do it correctly again. Yeah. They usually do two or three in a row. Yeah, then yeah. we break out, go back to your spots, and they can't do it. Mm. The pressure is actually the thing that makes you better. And if you don't put yourself under stress and pressure, you can't make it to the next. Like You can't take your game where you're wanting to go. Yeah, I love that. I was um, I was out on the range here just before we did the podcast, and or right now. Um, and was trying to work on my new motion that we've been working on. And I noticed that when I got into too much of a rhythm with hitting balls on the range, the form like started to suffer. The shots didn't do what I wanted to. And then I had to snap back out of it and be like, well, I'm not doing the thing that I'm supposed to be practicing here. So I lined up to a flag and hit a few to a flag so much better, moved to the longer clubs. And I said, okay, pretend that X and Y are a fairway and hit yeah. it through there. And we've talked a lot about how uh, you've really got to, feel like you're hitting shots on the range and not just flick balls out mm. there. Yeah, it's uh 
I'm working on my technique right now without a ball flight. Yeah. That's a different thing than what I'm describing here. Yeah. But is I've got to make some big changes this winter. So I'm putting myself through cracking the code with Elijah teaching me. Mm. Now, I know what I need from things that Hank's given me and a little bit of what I think I need and then a little bit of what Elijah does. But right now I'm pulling the screen across and like I'm making this movement right on the first go. Mm. I want it all the way right on the first try. Like I'm videoing every swing. Like so I'm by videoing every swing, I'm incentivizing myself. Mm -hmm. Like I don't want to go back there and it look the same as the one I just did. Mm -hmm. That's gonna piss me off. Like, nope. It it at least a part of it needs to move towards the direction. I know it's hard to get all of it all at once, but like I have to move the needle. People don't put that stress in there. Like um, one of my junior golfers who took um, ended up taking third in the club championship uh, on the championship division, and he doesn't know this yet. I hope he listens to this episode. But hands down, he's the best player in the field. No problem whatsoever. Mm. He tied for first. There's a three-way tie that I do a playoff. Right, so he loses the playoff. But I set the golf course up really easy on the off chance that I set up shorter so that it would make it less likely for him to take advantage of his length and his he shot in the 60s in competitive play. Like he's played really well. Mm -hmm. On the off chance, it's shorter, so the weaker player has some shorter clubs in. If they have a good day and he has an off day. It's going to get a little dicey. And so we've only been working together for two months and just kind of pushing him in that direction of like, where do we go? And he struggled a little bit, but mm -hmm. he hit the ball okay. He just wasn't committed to his shot. Yeah. And so I'm putting him under stress and pressure. I literally set the tournament up to challenge him while also encouraging the kids that were, would struggle a little bit. So like, yeah. I'm actually achieving two Double. different objectives. Yeah. And I'm prepping him for the next level of play. Yeah. But his default is to ball, 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 train the motion, train the motion, train the motion, train the motion. And he gets really good at it. Like he videos it often. So he puts stress, but that doesn't transfer well. No. And we've talked a lot about on past podcasts too, just the difference between competitive golf, tournament golf, and a regular Sunday round with your boys. It is two completely different worlds. Yeah. Well, and we've got several staff here right now that are all going to go take the PAT. Yeah. Elijah's going to take the PAT and yeah. jump in the PGA program. I'm excited for him because he has to compete again mm -hmm. professionally without being out $1,500 for a tournament. Yeah, right? no kidding. Yeah. Um, and against good players. But they're all going to play, and they're like, man, we just quickly realized that, like, we, like, put a number that we had to shoot in our heads out here. Like, crap, it just got a lot harder. And I have mm -hmm. to finish out my one-and-a-half-foot putt. Which I'm never nervous over one and a half foot putt. Wait, I never tap them in either, right? It's like I shouldn't be nervous on one and a half foot putt. Like I should never miss mm -hmm. a one and a half foot putt. If mm -hmm. I'm sitting there practicing, I will not miss a single putt. But all of a sudden, it changes because it matters now. Yeah, and that mattering makes you consider. Whoa, what do I actually understand and have control over? Yeah, it's tough because I think about like, well, let's see if I was to put myself in that same position and miss that one and a half foot putt. I'm just thinking about having to like walk to the next hole with that being in my mind. On oh, the you next feel box, so embarrassed right? too. It's the worst Ugh. thing, right? But if you, but if you missed it on the putting green, it's like, all right, we just grab the next ball and you know, we do it again. Oh, uh, the, the one I hate the most on the putting green is the guy who hits it like a little four footer and it starts to go by the hole and he rakes it back and hits it again. I was like, nope, that ain't it. 
that will never get you to where you're trying to get to. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Like, yeah. you have to deal with the suck. Like, that's bad. Like, yeah. And that's hard. And that's one of the things that we push really hard on cracking the code that's coming up. That just starts, well, by the time y'all listen to this, it starts this week, is you have to be willing to sit in the suckiness of this hurts emotionally because you have to control the emotion. If you can't control the emotion, it'll control you. Yeah. And, you know, it's, we're in a culture of like, just do whatever you feel. It's like, it's not actually a good thing. You have to be in control of what you feel. Because mm-hmm. if your feelings are on the show, then however you feel day to day is what's true. And that changes every day. Yeah. You have to go with what's true to determine, like, all right, I'm really nervous right now, but I've trained really hard. I'm ready for this moment. And Rather think- than like, I just re- gosh, I'm just so nervous. I, can't, I just can't stop being nervous. I had a kid text uh-huh. me the other day. He's like, dude, I keep shooting under par and like, I can't keep it going on the back. I was like, dude, just keep putting yourself there. He's like, it's got to be something. I was like, mm, no, like. Just keep putting yourself there. You'll figure it out. Yeah. But if you keep panicking, rather than controlling and learning to navigate that emotion, then it'll just and it just runs the show every time. I think you have to lose too. Oh uh, gosh! I think you don't have to, say that, Jack. That hurts. It does hurt, but uh, let me let me rephrase it too. No, I, no, I don't rephrase it. I think it's perfectly said. Like, I think you have to lose. You have to lose in order to realize just how fun it is to compete. Cause I think a lot of people put too much, too much weight in losing. Mm-hmm. Nobody likes to lose, but I think you have to realize that like, you have to realize that it's not the end of the world in order to free yourself up to play the best, you know, the best game of your life. Right. I, I'll say this. I, I, uh, I don't like winning as much as I hate losing. Mm. I've always had tension with that. Like I, I, there's a part of me that doesn't want that to be true. But I find that the best performers are a lot in that category. Like, yeah. You know, I think about the fact that we have so many kids that just keep three-putting all the time and they've been playing for years. I'm like, y'all should not three-putt this much or four-putt and five-putt. I'm like, what are we, what are we doing? What, like, there's no reason y'all should do that. Like, that should make you livid. I remember I would keep my putts in the top corner. I wouldn't keep it separate down below. I would have it sitting right next to that number, like in that little tiny box. It's my score, fairway green putts in the top corner. I hated seeing anything with more than a two in that top corner. Yeah. And I would love to get zeros. Like I was trying to get zeros in that top corner. Like if I miss a green, like I'm trying to get a zero. Right. So there's both, right. I don't want a three and I certainly would love to have a zero. So I think there's both. Like I love winning, but I hate sucking. Well, I think there's something to be said for pushing yourself to that zero because you don't want the three. Right. Right. But it like, took the not wanting the three first yeah, to lead yeah. to the wanting the zero. That's a great, uh, and that could be the next like, the next growth step from there. Maybe mm-hmm. wanting to Versus, win so bad because you don't want to lose. Yeah, I think it's the and not, not just sitting in the mediocre. You know, right. I remember Hank one time telling a student like, "I want you to sit in this suck and just let it let it suck and let it hurt because what you're going to realize is I don't ever want to feel like this again." Yeah. And that's what motivates you to do it. And that's what I told the young man before he left. I said, I want you to sit in that. I want it to hurt. I want it to sting because you know you're the best player. And I think he wanted to show me that he's got he's got it because, dude, he's freaking smoking it. And his technique isn't textbook to what I want, but we've got one more step, and it's right in the money, dude. It is so freaking good. But, like, 
the suck has to sit there. Yeah. And it's in a smaller, we treated this on purpose. Like, Hey, I want you to come down here. We're going to, I want you to play in this because you've got two more tournaments for the season and then you're done for the season. This gives us a chance to see where you're at. What needs to be better, right? Like this is perfect. That's exactly, it did exactly what we wanted to do, mm -hmm. which is we need to stop hitting as many balls. We need to play more and we need to put stress on each shot you hit. Like, well, how do I do that? Like, that's the next follow-up, right? Like, how do I do that? Like, what does that practice practically look like? For me, it's, I don't three-putt when I, when I do my putting practice. Really? What do you mean you don't three-putt? I don't three-putt. Well, what if I three-putt? You don't three-putt. <laughs> well, how do I not three-putt? Don't three-putt. Don't three-putt. Well, what would be the first thing you would do? I don't, I don't know. I was like, yeah, you do. You answer the question. I think like, so let me ask you that. How would you not three putt? This is actually perfect because well, this is what people will do when they listen to this. Well, he, here's what I'm I, – I think that – You have to finish every putt out. Like if you start with yeah, a putt, yeah. you have to finish it out. How would you go about your practice so that you don't three putt? Well, Guaranteed. And I think that's the question. I, I think that's also the unique answer to it as well. I think people put – think you know they ask you that question thinking there's going to be a silver bullet. No, there's nothing. And so I don't know. Like if you told me not to three putt, I don't know what I would do, but I, I know I wouldn't three-putt. <laughs> right. So, like, how would you start your practice? This is where everybody gets in a trap. Like, I can answer it, but it's better if you're thinking about it. So, like, if you're listening to this right now, hit the timeout pause button. Answer that question. How would you structure your putting practice so that you don't three-putt? Keeping in mind, you must finish out every single putt that you hit. Yeah. I mean, my drills, if I'm on the putting green, is, is starting with – Three footers uphill. Right. You're going to start short. Start short. Three right. footers uphill. And then I'll take it to six foot uphill. And then I'll do the around the world and around right, the world drill. Three feet. Yeah, back to three feet. And then maybe I'll take it to six feet. And then maybe I'll practice lag putting at, at the end. And every putt is super intentional. Like you're right. not going to try to hit your three footers firm. Because right. then you got four or five feet coming back. Like you're not. Right. Like you're going to do things that lead to lower scores on the golf course, which is mm -hmm. the softer a putt is hit. To, as long as it gets to the hole, the wider the hole becomes. Yeah, you just talked that out in the clinic. Yeah, right. Like <laughs> the wider the hole gets. Yeah, like, you have to. Well, hey, and in the same in the same thing, because I think this is what a lot of golfers struggle with, and me too. Not putting with enough break, and people don't realize that the more break that you give a putt, the wider the hole gets. Correct. So, with that being said, too. Sorry. There's the more, another. The more break a putt has, the narrower. The window to go in that's correct in a straight line right yes but if you give it more break you have multiple speeds you have multiple you speeds you can drop it in right that's and so that is that's another thing where you asked well what would you do to not three put i'd give it more break there's another right, one. there's another one right but automatically instinctually you go oh wait that means i underread my putts like you automatically answered the fact that even as a much better player than you were a year ago yeah you still underread your putts sure like that's like that's the <laughs> that's the fundamental component of like all of a sudden it's like oh aha like you actually start being critical of your putting practice like that for me is number one in my putting fundamentally is i am not going to three putt you know what's interesting is uh this is kind of a sidebar but not really i don't know if you'll be disappointed or not in this but <laughs> because i don't like three putting and this maybe i need to come to a putting lesson with you but I've changed my putting grip. <laughs> okay. So, uh, but I, I haven't. I didn't three putt as much when I used that new grip. So, so I was like, okay. 
But who knows if that was just a band-aid to get me through that round or, or what, or if I'll go back to it. But I think that people also need to be uh, okay with reinventing the wheel a little bit. I don't if hit, it means they get better. I don't have very many long putts. Like, well, what if I need to work on my long putts? It's like, how many are you going to make outside 20 feet? None. <laughs> Basically none. Yeah. Like once every like eight rounds. Think about how excited you get when you make a 20 foot putt. Because you know. Because you never make them. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So why are you trying to make them? Right. It's like, right. question number one, right? So <laughs> like I spend a lot of my time and the really good players spend a lot of time on the short putts. Mm -hmm. Like. If you can make all your short putts, then you're not as concerned about your long ones. So what do I do with my long putts? Well, when I work on distance, I just putt to the edge of the green. Yeah. Now, those are, I'm not holing out, but I'm not hitting at a hole, so I don't require myself to hole out. I, I'm just trying to get the ball to stop on the edge of the green. And I'm trying view. to get it. Like, I do not want it short. I do not want it long. I uh -huh. want it dead on the edge of the green. Well, and the beautiful thing about that, too, is that uh, taking from your clinic, missing short, it being a little bit better than missing long, right? Mm -hmm. Putting to the edge of the green is conditioning you to hit it short, if anything. Right. Yeah. Because you're like, well, crap, that one ramped up into the yep, I don't, into the fringe. Right. And I don't want to lose my golf ball on the street, you know? <laughs> right. So. It goes rolling down the car path over <laughs> yeah. here in Franklin Bridge. I've seen that happen. It's just like you learn to stop it and pump those brakes. So um, I think the answer to your question, then, how do I not three-putt? I think it. I think it. It really requires you to ask the question to yourself, and maybe have the courage to come up with some drills that are unique to your own you, game. You can be creative. I've got my several that I really love. Yeah. And the other thing is, like, if I miss one, I'm also not going to walk up and just whack it in, even if it's six inches, because I know, like, like that pisses me off. If I went and did one of those, like, reach around, tap it in things, like, if I do that and I miss it. I'm setting in in uh, in motion a pattern of behavior that will ruin me. And think about this for everybody listening at home. How many tour pros do you see do their little reach around tap in when they're in a tournament? No, they like, all no. walk around. It's rare to do that unless it's sitting like literally like right on the, on edge. the edge. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. If it's if it's not inside of two inches of that thing, if it's not a ball width from the hole, yep. it's walking around. They'll they may have to stand they may stand weird. Yeah. But they but it's it's step up, there's a pause, then a tap. Yep. Right? It's that intentional. Yep. And, like, those types of things, I, when I go consult for universities, they don't do that. Right? So, like, but that's a coaching problem. Fundamentally, that's a coaching problem. Your guys haven't bought into the fact that that little thing matters. Like, when we're playing in tournaments, that little thing matters. And my coach, we did that. We talked about this, I think, when we had him on the podcast. And now that he's at Duke. He, uh, yeah. <laughs> he would have us at the end of our tournaments. We would have to fit. We would have to hand our scorecard, like our actual scorecard. The other guy may have already signed. I'm like, we're not signing. We had a rule. You do not sign the card until you read off your scores from memory. So somebody else on your team holds the card. It could be coach. It could be one of the other players, and you read it off from memory. Four, four, three, five. Four, four, mm. and like some guys took longer to do this. You know how many times we caught the wrong score on the scorecard? Not almost every tournament there was at least one or two holes. Hmm. And what's that doing? Talk about a disqualification. You got too low of a number that's on a card. Well, yeah, but like what it, for a high card, right? Like right. it's the level of intentionality that our coach had. Gotcha. About that kind of detail, like yeah. that mattered. Mm. You don't sign it. Like we had a. Like we had all of our stuff, but he also had a 
travel bag. So you had your you had your bag to travel for the tournament, like your normal clothes that you would have. You had your golf bag. You had your golf gear that you would need for the tournament. And then you always, like, Coach, it's going to be 85 degrees. Why do I need a longer sleeve? I don't know what the weather's going to be. That's, that's what they say it's going to be. What if one of the days you've been, and we've all done it, like it's cloudy and it's windy one day. You're like, it says it's going to be 75 degrees. Yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden, you're a little chilly and you just have an early morning start, and it's cloudy and blowing Yeah. early that morning. Yeah. Right, so we we're totally prepared. Like if you had, if you had contacts, you had an extra pair of contacts and glasses on hand. You had an extra pair of socks on hand. You had extra shoes on hand. So you had our normal bag plus this bag plus a tournament bag that would go with us on the off chance that something happens. Mm. It was this idea of being totally and utterly prepared all the time. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. And one thing that you—that's my putty. Like I don't three putt. Like, yeah, it's not an option. Like you just do I three putt some. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I'm not going to three pub usually more than once. Well, and what you're doing is setting a standard for yourself too, right? right? And not, and not giving into anything less. Right. right? And even if you do, it's the exception, not the rule. Right. Right. It's I, whoops. But like, I'm going to be intentional on that one that, oh crap, I hit that one too hard. I lost a little focus. Now I've got that five footer I have to make. Mm. Crap. Now all of a sudden that five footer now feels like that five footer coming in on 18. Yeah. That I have to make. And so now I'm going to be intentional. I'm going to make that one. You know, one thing that you taught me as well, or I, I don't know if you taught it per se, but it was more, and I guess anecdotal, but you're, you're talking about how when we're on the range, we finish every swing like it's the best shot we've ever hit. Oh, yeah. Right? Yep. And we don't. I shouldn't be able to tell from here whether uh-huh. you hit good or bad. Exactly. And so. It's the same every single bingo and what that does at the end of the day for me too is it puts a lot it puts a little bit of pressure on me to actually hit the shot nobody wants to finish like a beautiful golf shot on something that you just shanked off the hosel right but if you do then oh that's painful like as you're as you're you learn to control the emotion right because the people go ah it's terrible and they go back to the next one what are they not doing you're not controlling the emotion yeah yeah you yeah. have to control that thing. I feel like that's something that you see a lot on any golf course, period. It, especially since golf is such a hard game. If you give into your emotion, your emotions, you're not doing yourself any favors. No. I was playing with It's a, hard to do. I yeah. get it. Yeah. And I, I mean, like, I was yeah. playing with a guy. He was, uh, and bless his heart, man. He was, he was 15. He was playing with his dad. And he's definitely in that age where, like, you know, something, the minor inconvenience goes yep. wrong, the world ends, yep. right? Yep. And... Man, I saw him hit some gorgeous shots. Like, he might have been able to beat me straight up on some stuff. And, but he couldn't beat me because his mental game was not even close. Right. And you wouldn't necessarily expect it. No, you wouldn't expect it. But what I'm saying is that all of his mistakes ended up compounding, compounding, compounding until we got to hole 16 and he thought he was the worst golfer in the entire world. Right. So. I think it's more of a compound effect, too. I agree. I absolutely agree. And so it's like, how do you talk about yourself? How do you think about yourself? Like our coach even went this far. He said, when you finish around, you have time with me that's productive if you need it. Yeah. Right. Hey, if you struggle with some stuff, you got 15 minutes to talk it through with me, 20 minutes, whatever it is. And like, I want you to be productive with like, man, I really struggle with this, this, and this. I struggle off the tee on these holes, coach. Like, I don't really don't know what to do. Like, can we come up with a game plan for tomorrow? Like that's, he treated that sort of thing. I didn't take advantage of it nearly as much as I should have. Mm. That was just some of my lack of confidence in myself, but like that opportunity was there. But from there, you were not allowed to talk anything bad about the golf course, anything bad about the conditions, how hard those holes were, 
that wasn't allowed. You know how many times we've beat teams on the second day that were ahead of us? Now, we weren't Division One. We weren't the big dogs, right? I get that. But, like, relative to where we were, we smoked guys the second day. If the weather was terrible, we we didn't talk about how bad the weather was going to be. Dude, great. The worse the weather is, the better it is for us. We're prepared I love for that, it. yeah. We played – I've told you about some of the rounds we played in the freaking snow with, with, like, slush on the green that's a half-inch thick. You're having to brush that off to hit your putts. Coach didn't, didn't call qualifying. It's 38 degrees, raining and sleeting sideways. Like, we had a guy shoot 67 in those conditions. One other guy shot in the 70s. Everybody else was in the 80s. Well, and that's Tiger's rule too, right? Like, he's just like, you hit, you're, if you hit a bad shot, you're allowed to be mad for like, what is it, steps. the first 10 steps? Ten steps? Yeah, first 10 steps. Mm-hmm. And then after those 10 that's steps, strong. you can't think about it again. Nope. And I love that. Like, it doesn't but you have time to deal with the emotions. Right. And I think that's what a lot of people do. It's like, if, if you have a lot of emotions, fine. Like, that's totally human, totally normal. But give yourself a moment where you can let that out, but then don't let it affect the rest of your game. Right. But that's learning how to navigate that and control it. And it can't turn into self-destructive talk either. Sure. Because that will destroy that, the ego, that, the positive side of the ego, which is to keep you believing that it's possible. So what are three things that people can take home from this episode if they struggle with putting enough pressure, not putting enough pressure on their practice. What are three things that they can do? I want one thing that's like just strictly mental, one thing that is about the uh, course, and one thing that is about the swing. So you can't do all three things about the range session. Um, The first one is you need to have a clear picture on every single ball that you hit of what you want the ball to do. Do not make a swing without a purpose for where that ball is going to go. Mm. Period. Now, like that. We're, we're even going to do this for our cracking the code this winter, which is they don't get to hit a golf ball for two weeks. Mm-hmm. What are they required to do on every single motion that they make? Picture a shot. Every single one. Well, I didn't hit a ball. I don't care. Yep. I didn't even swing a club. I don't care. I want you to picture a shot. You need to get your brain to attach this this field to a specific ball flight. Mm. You're using the entirety of your brain, not just training the motor skill. You're training the subconscious motor skills as well, which do exist and they are real. It's called low-level functioning. Like, that leads you to where you want to get to. And with that too, you can also adjust that that theory to different skill levels as well. So mm-hmm. if you're a low-level player and let's say you're just trying to shape the ball solid. for the first time. You might just be trying to hit it. Hit hey, the ball. Fair enough. Hit the ball. I want to hit it solid. I want to visualize myself hitting it right, solid. Right. If you get a little bit higher, it's maybe I want to hit just a draw motion here or like a draw looking ball. A hook even if you or want. Or a slice. slice less. Or, yeah, or slice less, right? And then you can take it one one more level higher. Oh, I right. want to start the ball there. I want it to finish there. Like you, can, there's everyone, levels to all you're of like, this. Well, I'm not into shot shaping yet. I was like, you need to be. You will be. You need to be right. If, you want, if you're going to be like, good, you want to be. Yeah. When you're learning how to shoot a basketball. Are you into shaping the ball? Yeah, you are. Yeah, it's got to go up and come down. Yeah, shoot it higher or lower. You're yeah. learning that right out of the gate when you're shooting the basketball. Right. Why would you do this when you're going to go? Right, right, right. Okay, so that's one swing thing. So now we're down to a course and pure mental. Um, a course thing. You have to train it outside of it in order to do it. But don't hit a shot without deciding what you want to do and totally committing to it. Mm. People go like, uh, all right, I think I'm going to kind of hit it there. And you're kind of walk, walking in and kind of like, eh. you're not really committed, but you're kind of grabbing it anyway. It's like, eh. like 
I that's one of my big mental thoughts. And when I get pissed on the golf course, it's because I because I did that. Didn't commit. Mm-hmm. And it's because I never chose what I was going to do anyway. Like I'm like, I can, you know, it's about this. I mean, about seven iron. And so I'm like, just kind of like, all right, I'm going to hit this. Like I'm like, and then I get over it. And I'm like, uh, I haven't decided. I'm going to go ahead and hit it anyway. Right now. Is it those exact words all the time? No, but it's that type of thought process. Yeah, yeah. And then it's like, then I hit it bad. I'm like, well, no, shoot. Like, of course. Or that was terrible. Uh-huh. I, I wasn't prepared to do anything. It's like going into work one day and going, I didn't accomplish anything today. Well, I didn't set out to accomplish anything. So I guess I did exactly what I set out to do, which was nothing. <laughs> like, oh, I set out to have a crappy day. Congratulations. I had a crappy day. Yeah. Like tomorrow I have a really light day, which is really abnormal, as you know, for me. It's like, Tomorrow's either going to be like one of the best days I've had all year or it's going to be the worst. Mm. And you get to decide that. I get to decide that. And I'm glad we're having this podcast because I need to remind myself <laughs> that like, because it's frustrating, but I'm going, I have a bunch of big projects and some of them can be really productive. So like, I had some frustrating moments the last couple of days, but like we squeeze some stuff in today, like a bunch of photos that are going to go into our teaching philosophy of correct positioning. I got photos of Elijah and Erica putting chipping irons full swing i set out with a purpose on there it is love it do not hit a ball without a purpose i think that's something too that has really helped my game recently as well because i'd be like oh it's either like a a hard seven or a uh, a soft six you know and then you get up and you kind of like in between which one and then it's just like it's almost never good and here's the other thing too uh a lot of times too earlier in my golf career career (laughs) Um, I would set my ball up to a putt, right? I'd line my, I'm a, I like to use the line on the ball. So I'd set up my putt and I'd get over it and I'd be like, oh, it kind of feels a little bit more left. And so I'd aim a little bit more left and not commit to my line and then I'd miss it. And then you don't know whether it's what, if your original line was right Correct. or not. Correct. Cause then you're not committed to a line. So you don't make a good motion. You don't know whether it was the right line, right or line or the bad motion or bad so speed. Like, it's, yeah. You have to commit to it all the way down. Cause to that. here's the thing. If you sell out to it and you miss it, you can be okay that you committed everything to it. And then you learn from it because you're like, okay, it. that wasn't correct. So right. now you've got really clean data that's been downloaded into yep. your, Exactly. Into your experience exactly. rather than muddy data that's sitting in your experience. And that could help you on the next 17 holes if you miss if you do that on hole number one. And I would tell you, probably for most people, they putt like that probably 50% of the time. Mm. And so that compounds. Mm. And then you just think you're a bad putter at the end of the if day. You have, if you have, let's say, 15 to 20 putts, let's just call it 15. 15 putts and you play four rounds a month, that's 60 putts a month. Plus, you probably do that when you practice putting on the putting green, too. So now you're, like, just on the golf course. Dude, that's a lot. Like, that's 700 and something, 720 putts a year that are sloppy. How do you think that's going to show up in the club championship? Yeah, no, How do you think not that's well going to show up in It's going to crumble. Pressure, to you, yeah. You're about to shoot your personal best. Like, it's going to crumble. Yep. So the last one is the swing? No, the last. So we did the swing one. We did. No, we did course. We did. We did swing. We did course. Now this one's pure mental, right? Oh, wait. I don't even remember which one. We did. First one was the swing. Have a purpose with everything that you hit. Have a shot shape picture. Mm-hmm. Second one was um, what we just talked about committing. Wasn't that the mental? No, that's that the course. course. That was course committing to the shot. Now we have the ones pure mental. It could be around emotions. It could be around. Uh, we've kind of touched on some of it already in the podcast. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say from the mental standpoint, 
is um, deciding that I'm, I'm really trying to think through what I want to say here. Um, you got me stumped on this one because we kind of already did it. Yeah. Uh, the pure mental is like, who am I? Like, what, what matters to me? Like, if you're coming out to hit balls, there's some people who just come out to hit balls just to hit balls. It's a leisure activity. Fine. Great. Happy for you. Even if you suck, like, you're getting what you set out to get, right? And so, I just think from the mental standpoint, the discipline to control your emotions of, like, I am not going to let emotion rule me. So, the one of the mm -hmm. things I did with one of my college players I just started working with, who I think is going to be a phenomenal player, he hasn't won anything yet, hasn't accomplished really hardly anything collegiately. His swing is the most technically sound golf swing I've ever taught. Wow. And he has to play 100 holes a week. Phew. That's what I required him, of him. He's a range guy. He's like 90% of my practice is range time. I was like, that's why your golf swing looks so good. Congratulations. But we ain't playing golf swing. <laughs> playing golf. And so I said 100 holes a week. And before November 1st, you need to shoot 67. His lowest is 69. You need to shoot 67 or lower. Or said, I think I said break 67. Break 67, so that's 66. That's at least, all the courses he's playing, it's at least five under. And I want nine holes under 33. I already did that one, shot 32. He's never done that. Not even close, shot 34 once. Two shots lower on nine. Right, so like, for him, what we determined, that's why I'm using this story, is I said, here's the deal, dude. You don't lose. You never lose. Losing is choice. People are like, what do you mean by losing is choice? Losing is choice. People choose to lose in their mind. Now, the actual winning of a golf tournament is not up to you. You don't get to, like, jump in the way of the other person's, like, shot, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, I guess in theory you could do that. It would probably be a severe breach of <laughs> yeah, probably get sportsmanship. Probably get yeah. <laughs> But, like, you have, uh, I said, it's winning or learning. Those are your only two options. You either win or you learn. Well, some of the learning is painful. And that. learning is not a synonym for losing. No, it's not. It's different. Like Just to clarify. You can, you can actually win a tournament and lose because you didn't learn anything. Mm. Like Micah was down here, and we, had, we have to make some big changes for him. And it's like, why would you make big changes on a guy that's won five college tournaments and all that? Because he's trying to play professionally, and he ain't ready. Mm. He knows it. Mm -hmm. And to hear some of the things he said behind the scenes with Elijah and some of the other people that he's friends with here, it's like, he's like, man, I'm not very good. Mm. Now, that's hard for a guy that's won five times to say, but it's a humble statement. Now, he's not saying I'm not confident in my abilities. He said, I got a lot of work to do. He said, but I'm kind of excited. <laughs> he's bored. Yeah. He's smoking guys in tournaments. He won the last one by eight. Like, he's winning qualifying by 17 shots with guys that are shooting under par. Like, he needs a challenge. Just like we talked about earlier in the podcast, the ladies did well when the challenge was there. It's not a challenge to win anymore. I got a bigger goal I'm going for, and Scott's giving me a really difficult stuff to do with my feet. 
and it is. But when it when he does it, and I gave him a driver that's almost impossible for him to hit unless he does it perfect. I've got him in a senior flex shaft, maximum <laughs> loft, with the ball teed like with the ball teed like this high, like a little bit higher than a three wood tee height. That's hilarious. I said, Micah, you have to get the spin rate down on this club with a draw. Of course, when he hits that one wrong, the spin rate goes like 4,800. It just goes nowhere. Like a balloon. I got an him. elevator. He's lost a lot of distance on his driver, so we changed the motion. He was able to get it up to um, – we never carried it – we never carried it 270. We're trying to get to where we can carry that senior flex 270. <laughs> it just spins too much. Yeah. And it's going to launch too low because it's got to tee this high. Right. So he has to do the motion all the way perfect. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so – He's got enough clubhead speed to generate that kind of carry, but he's not generating that carry out of his driver, which is way stiffer. It's like, all right, come on, come on. And then we got a couple in the high 260s with a spin rate under 3,000, launch angle at like 8 to 10. It was getting there. Then I switched him back into his driver, swapped the shaft out. 284. Bang, right out of the gate. I knew that that club was going to take him to where he needed to go. Yeah, that's cool. So he's got that training club. So like, now he's got a challenge, but the whole point is you have to have a challenge as you're practicing. What, what did I say we need to do mentally? It's like have a, I don't even know what that Well, you were talking about, you're talking about being intentional and where I thought you were going with that. First of all, everything that you just said, brilliant. If that's what you're deciding to do, as far as like really, really be better and commit to what you're doing. Mm -hmm. I think I would even elaborate that to the people who, are just wanting to have a round, a fun round out on Saturday with their friends. I think that if that's what you want to do, then let's not get mad when you shoot an 85 or shoot a 95, 95 or right. didn't break 100. If you genuinely came out to drink beer with your friends on the course and have a good time and talk, have that be the success goal. for you, right? right? And be okay with that. Right. Like, that's okay, right? right. The golf is a game that can be played many different ways. Yeah, you have to decide what it is that you want. And if, if you don't decide that, it's part of the reason why I haven't practiced. Like, I don't really know what I want to do. But after getting down there and spending some time with Thomas, mm. and like realizing like, all right, I have a sick looking golf swing when I tighten, but I got to do some tightening up. Mm -hmm. And I can tighten it up better and faster than anybody else I know because mm -hmm. I know how to do this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I know how to train. And, I'm going to show my students. And so everything for me revolves around teaching. I can't do it for just me. Like I finally realized that it's like, why don't I, why isn't going into the gym? Like excite me. Like it used to, in some ways it has, like when does it excite me the most? When I train my college players, I train my interns, like Erica, Lance, uh, Elaine, like all these people that have come along, Elijah, like, right. Like what's excited about me in the gym? I'm training that, like I'm teaching, I'm coach. I'm a teacher, I'm a coach, that's what I do. It's like, you can't take that out of me. Even when we went and did interviews for PGM kids to come up here from Mississippi State, the ones that I didn't, like I knew I wasn't gonna hire, I was already giving them advice on what they should do. I'm coaching, like you can't take it out of me. Yeah. Like I didn't set out as that being my purpose, but I'm coaching these guys on how to do interviews. And like where I think they'd be a good fit. Like, hey, the bridge isn't it for you, but I. I think you should contact this person, this person, this person. I'm coaching. I can't not do that. So for me, I realized this year with Cracking the Code, I'm going to show them how to do it. And 
that's what's going to get me in here to do it. Love that. That's, but that's me. That yeah. may not be you. That may not be the next person that's going out there. Love it. Decide what it is that you want to accomplish and go do that. Don't do something else. If you want to be a high-level competitor, don't go screw around with your buddies. If you really want to change your golf swing through the winter, don't go play three times a week. You can't do that. You got to change. Yep. So. I love it. I love it. And I think there's a lot of good meat in there um, for whatever you need to learn individually, the people who are listening to this. So um, really appreciate you guys taking a listen to this one. I think this one will make a lot of people better. Uh, Sorry, you, I ran a little bit at the end. No, no, it's all good. <laughs> I just think if you can implement at least just one or two things, if you can pick one or two things out of this podcast and really implement them in your game, I guarantee you, you'll see some results. So that's a really cool one, man. Uh, from Scott and Jack here inside the studio at Franklin Bridge. Thank you guys all for watching, listening, doing, subscribing, whatever you guys are doing out there. We really appreciate it. Make sure to uh, leave us five stars, give us a comment uh, or a follow. We really appreciate you, and it helps out everybody who wants to get better at golf, just like you, the person who's listening to this. So, again, Scott and Jack inside the studio at Franklin Bridge. We'll see you on the next one. Peace.